Welcome to another amazing episode of Kazi's Audio Experience. This is the podcast where we're not only going to sharpen our technical skills, but we're going to learn to become profitable as filmmakers. What's going on, guys? This is Kazi. Today, we're talking about Apple's brand new M1 Mac and specifically MacBook Pro because that's what I have. And you guys know how I do. I only talk about things that I use and I have experience with other than just like, you know, reading a user guide. So I'm going to be talking about the pros, the cons, and what you need to consider before you purchase one and or should you even buy one? So we're going to be talking about that stuff. I'm going to take a second for everybody to show up and then we're going to jump on. Uh, thank you so much for submitting all the questions. Really appreciate you guys. And I'm going to pop those open here as well and talk about that. All right, let's let's jump in. Okay, so before we talk about Apple's new M1 chip, let's talk about what caught my attention. Why did I pick one up? I'm going to be honest with you. I bought it as my surfer, as my browser, as my iPad. I was looking, I was in the market for a new laptop. My old 2017 MacBook Pro 15 inch was kind of getting bulky and old. And I just wanted something that did uh, less than that, but was faster, you know, longer battery life, stuff like that. So I was gonna pull the trigger on their latest Intel chip laptop and then all of a sudden you know they came up with uh, m1 i started looking into it um saw the keynote and they talked about the battery life and that was it because i've been jumping between iphone ipad macbook pro for whether i'm surfing the web or uh you know doing some creative copy things like that and i'm just like you know what i gotta get something that gives me ipads you know that has ipads battery life but then does much more than an iPad. You know what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, you know, you go to Safari, the experience is not the same. You know, in-app experience is excellent when it comes to iOS, but other than that, it's still catching up, still not there when it comes to full-blown computer. So I'm like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna try it out. If I don't like it, worst case scenario, I send it back. I didn't know what I signed up for. I thought it's going to be an amazing system. Like, you know, it's gonna does this one thing, and then when I started reading up on and wa started watching all these tutorials and you know videos that people have been putting out and what it's capable of, it blew my mind. I'm like, what is really going on? Like 8K footage, you know, playback with no hiccups, like what is happening? So then I started experimenting with it and I'm telling you, in many ways, it's out of control, but again, I wanna be as unbiased as possible. So I'm gonna have pros and cons and then let you decide uh, if it's the right thing for you. So for me, checks the box on all the things, okay? Battery life, snappy. I mean, it's, let me just spoil this for you. It's faster than the Intel chip. It is, it's faster when it comes to single core processing. It's faster than my Mac Pro in, in ways. Like on my Mac Pro, a $22,000 machine, what it does, like, this thing gives me more joy to work on and it's just, you know, snappier. It's just, it feel, it's a better experience. So I'm gonna go that far. But, so for me, it checks all the boxes, right? So now I already told you, um, you know, what you have to look for, like what is it specifically that you want it to do? So let's just deep dive and uh, go through a couple of things, okay? So first thing that I wanna start off with is let's just go through some pros, right? So the price. now. 
any PC users will still complain and think that this is too expensive, blah, blah, blah. But for Mac users, um, you can pick up a starter package for like 1500 bucks. And I'm talking about the MacBook Pro. That is kind of out of control for the, for the power that it has for a $1,500 laptop, especially from Apple, unheard of. Uh, if you want to soup it up, which what I got is 2800 bucks, so it has two terabytes of you know um, flash drive, and then it has 16 gigs of RAM. So if you soup it up, it's around 2800 bucks. Um, if you can, you know, if you're a student, you can get the 10% off or something like that, like this education uh, discount. So that's a pretty big deal. So that this is where we sit in terms of like the price. Price is really good uh, for Apple products. Size is a big thing, right? I mean, it's so compact and perfect. If you're a filmmaker who's on the go, you're, uh, you know, you do a lot of run and gun and you want to just like pop it open, drop in your footage, make sure everything looks good. I mean, this thing is just bang on uh, for that. Right around two pounds, a little over two pounds, 2.2 pounds. So it's perfect. It just feels good in hand, like it's not too flimsy or anything like that. Battery life, already talked about it. I mean, man, I'm I'm blown away. Like, what the hell did they do? Never in my entire life I've used a laptop where I don't have a charger next to it. I don't even know where the charger is. Like, I mean, I just, I use it for eternity. Like, I think I, I, uh, I plugged it in twice in one week. That's out of control. I mean, I'm using... Premiere Pro, I'm using DaVinci Resolve, I'm using real apps on it, and I've plugged it in only twice. So out of control. Battery life is insane. Uh, super quiet. So that's a big thing. I mean, the tutorial that I put out, can it handle 12K footage? It was 12K footage. Uh, even when I cranked it up to 8K timeline and say it was choking and it was playing it at 12 frames a second, the fans, it was still super quiet. I can barely hear it. That is out of control because, again, even my Mac Pro makes so much noise. It gets so loud, it's insane. Whereas this thing, and that's a big plus, right? For a lot of people that do screen recordings and things like that, you just want it, want your audio to be crisp and you don't want any external noise. So for it to be super quiet, again, perfect for content creators. Blazing fast, man. Like the speed on this thing is just, like I said, the, you you will only understand how fast it is, you know, when you have it and you're using it. Like, that's the only way to truly experience how snappy this thing really is. It's it's kind of fun to just go on Safari, open a new page, and then just, you know, two fingers swipe back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Just go between pages and see how quick it is, and it never fails. It's out of control. Now let's talk about the cons. So let's go through some of those two and see what we got going on, okay? So in terms of like the first con that I will say, limited ports, that's nothing new for a 13 inch. They've always had two ports, but two is just not cutting it when they call it a pro, right? So you have one port that is, let's just say you're charging it, so you plug it in. Now you're left with one port. What the F do you do with one port? So now you need dongles, now you need extensions, you know what I mean? Like, so then uh, it starts to, def you know, defeat the purpose of having a mobile device that's like, you know, you can pick it up and go. Like, because now you have to house it, dock it up, and stuff like that. So that's very important. Limited uh, port options are not, you know, too sexy. Limited hardware options. Obviously, Apple is known for their, like, all-inclusive, like, you know, their, their package that's super tight. So then that way, 
they can optimize the F out of like their OS and hardware can speak to the software and vice versa. And it gives you the best performance, but they're, they're in this case, they're taking it to the next level, right? Like they're not even giving you options for more flash drive storage or more RAM. And I know that's around the corner, right? Like, I mean, this is their first time trying out the silicon, uh, you know, chip, and they're just trying to mess with it and see how people are gonna, you know, respond to it. And now they're gonna start kicking out the 16, you know, inch MacBook Pros. And eventually you're gonna see the iMacs with the M1X chip. You're gonna see Mac Pros. All that is going to happen. This is a starter kit. So that's why I think they were restricted to 16 gigs. But nonetheless, it could be a problem when you're working with 8K footage or something like that. Screen size. Now I said that the size is amazing, but then for some people that are using this exclusively as their go-to machine, then having a 13 inch, every inch matters, right? So like going from 13 to 15, you know, is a big deal. Then 15 to 16 is a huge deal. So it really matters. So, you know, 13 inch is kind of on the really, really small size because like when I'm actually trying to grade something, one, I don't recommend anybody grade on a 13 inch GUI monitor because you're really stuck with like a three inch or four inch screen. So nearly impossible to do anything with that. So, you know, that's one thing to just consider. Now it's just the screen size. It's not the resolution. It's not the color accuracy. Those are amazing. It's just the, you know, the 13 inch is not that big when it comes to like doing it all on uh, a single screen. Another one is uh, app compatibility. Now that is a massive one for many, right? Because uh, this is a brand new chip. Uh, Intel has been around for freaking decades. So the app compatibility is, you know, outrageous when it comes to Intel versus M1. M1 is brand new. So they have a lot of apps that are native already. And then they have apps that are running on Rosetta 2. Um, you know, but it's not native. So it's gonna take a minute for those apps to be native. And uh, if you are concerned about that, then I just watched Engadget just put out a review video for the M1 chip and uh, they suggested a website, is appleSiliconReady.com. So write that down, is appleSiliconReady.com. If you go there, it you can just click through and see if your app is on there and if it's compatible uh, with the new M1 chip or not. So that is a big one. Uh, you should write it down and look it up. For me, the biggest bummer so far is that I use ScreenFlow for uh, my uh, screen recordings. So when I'm doing tutorials, I'm using ScreenFlow. ScreenFlow as of today is not supported by M1. That is a massive bummer. So like now I'm only, I'm limited to using a different software one, which I'm not used to, so I don't wanna try out anything new. Or if I'm using QuickTime recorder, screen recorder, it comes with its own limitations. So that's what I'm stuck with when I'm using this thing right here. So I hope that that uh, goes through, but it just gives me a little insight to somebody that might be using, you know, a bunch of different apps that are not part of the Apple ecosystem. Uh, this might not be the right product for you today. It might change month or two months from now, but like today you might not want to risk this. Okay. What else we got? Okay. So officially only supports one additional screen. That's one thing that Apple is saying. Now there's workarounds that you can go on YouTube and look it up, but see my thing always is that 
I'm not about the, you know, workarounds because then it comes with like tons of issues. And just a friend of mine reached out to me today and said, hey, Kazi, I'm having the hardest time for Apple. So somebody today DM me, one of my buddies, and said, Kazi, having the hardest time uh, running a DaVinci Resolve on Big Sur. He has a two, uh, 2017 MacBook Pro and he's like, dude, it's super, super sluggish. What is going on? I don't understand what's happening. And I'm like, bro, I usually stay about a year behind or maybe six months behind if I'm using an older machine. Um, so M1, I didn't have an option. It came with Big Sur. There's nothing that I can do about it. But what he realized or found out eventually, and then he texted me, he said, hey, I'm using an eGPU and there's a workaround that I'm doing to use my eGPU. And it was that that was slowing it down. So he took, like unplugged the eGPU fired up resolve, everything worked perfectly fine. So what's my point here? Try to avoid going through like the workarounds because you will not know like down the line if something is being super sluggish or you're not getting 100% performance and you just think that the Apple's product is bad, but it's probably like something else that's not 100% compatible causing that issue. It's really hard to troubleshoot those things. So anyways, long story short, so far Apple said it's only supporting one additional screen. So if you are like me, who used to have like, you know, freaking four, five, six screens, then that this is probably not the option for you as of right now. Again, eventually a month, two months from now, they might put out an update that supports it. Uh, and then the last con that I'm gonna talk about is no eGPU support. So as of now, there is no external graphic card support, so you cannot plug in a Thunderbolt 3 eGPU and think that it's gonna work with this. So you're kind of limited to what they give you, which uh, when I popped open Resolve and I went in and looked at the, the graphic specs, it said like a 10 gig uh, GPU. So it's either eight gig or 10 gig, I think it said 10 gig. So that is pretty insane. 10 gig is more than what most of the MacBook Pros offered in the past, which was only limited to eight gigs. That was their top of the line. So keep that in mind. Now let's jump into some practical things that I've been experimenting with. And then I'm gonna talk about some re remedies to like kind of counter some of the cons that I talked about here. So here's the thing. This is what I've tried so far. Cameras, in terms of cameras, here's the list. I've tried the Canon RAW 4K, I've tried the RE RAW. I've tried the R3D files 6K. I've tried Fuji XT3 footage, which is super taxing. They gotta do something to make it better. It's H.265 and uh, super choky. And then I've tried the uh, Blackmagic's RAW. So I've tried the Pocket 6K Blackmagic RAW 4K and or 6K footage. And I've tried Venice, Sony Venice ProRes 444 XQ footage. And after throwing all of these into a timeline, a container that was 1080p, fine playback, no issues at all. I've tried it in DaVinci Resolve, I've tried it in Premiere Pro, absolutely no hiccups, super smooth playback. On Premiere Pro, the Fuji X-T3 choked a little bit, uh, then it will play back, then it will choke a little bit, uh, but if you drop the resolution to half, it works totally fine. Now, now mind you that in uh, in Premiere Pro, the resolution of the timeline were the resolution of the footage. So it was a big deal that it was playing back just fine. Whereas in Resolve, the resolution 
uh, of the timeline were dropped to 1080p. And then it had like the actual raw footage, whatever the resolution, native resolution were, was playing back just fine. So the apps that I've tested so far that are working completely fine, super snappy, haven't had any issues so far, personally, me. DaVinci Resolve 17, Premiere Pro, Photoshop, After Effects, Final Cut 10, Compressor. These apps have been tried and tested. A uh, couple of days worth of, you know, like testing, not months. I've only had it for a week. And uh, haven't had any issues blazing fast. If you're using these apps, you have my recommendation. You have my blessing to go give it a shot. Go try it. It's a better option than, say, the Intel chip. Now, I want to talk about... The couple of cons that we talked about, so how do you remedy that? So, you know, I said it only allows one additional screen. So if you have this as a GUI and then you're using an additional screen, um, the only way to add a third screen would be an I.O. box. So input-output device or a Blackmagic's like, you know, mini, uh, mini playback device, you know, like those things, Ultra Studio, they're about 200 bucks, 145 bucks or something like that, and then they'll give you a clean out. You can use it with Premiere Pro, Final Cut 10. You can use it with After Effects. You can use it with DaVinci Resolve. So that's the way to get a third screen. That, But that screen is only going to be dedicated to your reference uh, image or like whatever it is, like the, the full playback video that you're going to be looking at. So on a, like it's not going to throw any picture profiles or anything like that. The display profile settings, perfect for that. And then that way you get to have an additional screen. So that's one. And then two... The ultimate must, this thing you have to buy if you're going to be using this laptop for more than how I use it, where it just sits over there. I surf the web with it and I, you know, write my IG post. And most of the time, that's what I use my laptop for. But if you're going to be using it for more, then you need to look into OWC, OWC Thunderbolt 3 dock. Now, this Thunderbolt 3 dock comes with 13 to 14 different connectors and they're all sorts of different things, okay? Whether it's the display out, Thunderbolt 3 connection, you have a bunch of USB, you know, uh, USB 3 and USB-C um, connections in there. Uh, you have, uh, you have uh, optical out and you have um, um, HDMI in or out. Like, I mean, you have tons of different options with that dock. So you have to have one of those because then you just take your one port and turn it into 13 different connections and you can have it and use it as a full blown like machine. Okay, so this is where we're at so far. So uh, who do I think that this is for? This is what I'm going to say. This laptop MacBook Pro, again, I'm only specifically talking about the MacBook Pro. Now, one thing that I do want to mention, a lot of people I've noticed said that, hey, just get the MacBook Air instead of a MacBook Pro because it's cheaper. Well, there's a big caveat there. If you're a content creator, if you're an editor or a shooter or somebody that does editing and color, then you don't want to go with the MacBook Air because it's uh, more for the casual users than the pro users. And the reason being is that there is no fan in MacBook Air. So when there's no fan in the MacBook Air, when it takes constant stress, when you're rendering something, 
um, or when you're playing back like 6K or 4K or 8K footage, it can only handle it for so far. And then after that, when it overheats, it's it will throttle and it'll start choking. Whereas MacBook Pro will go through until it has to kick on the fan and then it'll kick on the fan. So you just remember that's very, very important. That's a big difference between a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air. And uh, it's a no brainer to go with the MacBook Pro because it literally is like 0.1 pounds heavier or 0.2 pounds heavier, but then it comes with 100 more nits uh, in terms of the brightness. So it has a brighter screen, it has a fan designed for pros, so you can actually, like I said, you know, like it can take more stress. Um, so all those reasons, that it's a no-brainer to go with the MacBook Pro. Now, I wanna talk about who's it for. So th three categories, okay, three types of people that it's for in my mind right now. One, people that are starting out don't have a lot of money. If you wanna jump in, and start messing with 4K, 6K footage and have a system that can handle it all and then some, this is a great choice. It is an unreal choice. It's a bargain right now, okay? Um, another type of people I would say is Apple users. I'm talking about specifically people that are in this ecosystem and use their apps, whether it's FCP 10, whether it's DaVinci Resolve, like these kind of tools, um, this is for you. If you're not using tons of like, uh, you know, third-party apps, uh, it is ready for prime time. Go ahead, buy it, and you will never regret it. Uh, and then third type of people are, my, you know, me, which is like, you know, use it as like a secondary computer. Use it as like, you know, this is just a complement to what I uh, work on. And this is just a secondary thing. I can use it for doing some work if I want to, if I'm traveling, I'll take it with me, it's gonna be great, it's gonna do more than what I need it to do, uh, but I don't 100% rely on it, okay? Now I'm gonna go ahead and take some questions. It, oh, another like last thing that I wanna talk about before I jump into the questions is this. Here's my recommendation. When you're working in DaVinci Resolve, do not go past, your timeline resolution should not pass over 1080p. 4K, this laptop cannot handle 4K. And the reason why I say this is because you want to work uninterrupt, uninterruptly, if that's the word. Like you just want to work. You don't want to keep, you know, waiting for it to cache and then move on to the next shot, you know, create proxies, anything like that. If you're just on the go, you gotta, you know, turn and burn, set your timeline to 1080p, leave your, Clip resolution to native, so whether it's 4K, 6K, 8K, it doesn't matter, it will handle it. Set your timeline resolution to 1080p, edit it, grade it, right before you're ready to export, go back into your timeline settings, change it to 4K, export in 4K, that's a billion dollar tip. Another thing that I'm gonna say is that noise reduction and grain, it can't really handle that. So noise reduction and grain comes at the end again, like drop them on, noise reduction and a grain node, drop them on, turn them off. Turn them back on at the end. So noise reduction, grain, keep them disabled, and then enable them right before export. Project resolution, 1080p, switch it to 4K before you export. So those are the three things that you need to remember to like, again, really unleash this beast. Um, other than that, Let's start taking some questions. All right, so about its video editing capabilities like exporting speeds and its results on Blackmagic Raw Tester. So 
for the Black Magic Raw Tester, it's kind of con- out of control. Like, I mean, it's telling me that it can play back um, 156 frames, you know, 4K raw footage. Like, I mean, it, it's really out of control. So, again, somebody mentioned a couple of days ago on one of my posts, they were like, Black Magic Raw is such an amazing uh, Kodak that it doesn't matter, you know, which, you know, system you put it on, it's just going to play back just fine. And I think I agree. It, it's a really good you know, thing that they got going on and they found the secret sauce. And especially when it comes to DaVinci Resolve, uh, they know how to optimize it and play it back, you know, perfectly without any issues. Is it worth buying against i9 MacBook Pro 2020? Again, you know, we went through all the things, right? Like if it checks the box for you on multiple different things, then yes, because you're saving a ton of money. The performance is out of control, out of this world. And if you're using apps that I mentioned that are working perfectly fine on it, then yes, this is the way to go. Does Premiere playback work smoothly with 4K footage? Uh, Premiere 4K, I brought in commercials that I've uh, I've graded. I brought them in and dropped them into Premiere Pro timeline um, and played back. Um, Fast forward, you know, went back and like did a bunch of different things. It plays back 100% fine. Uh, Super, super, super smooth. Like, too good. So, yes. Is it best for 3D rendering? I wouldn't know. I don't do 3D rendering. Can it edit 8K footage? Uh, uh, Okay, so... I brought in 12K, you know, footage in DaVinci Resolve, and when I played it back, it played back just fine. So yes, it's capable of playing back 8K and 12K. That said, I never recommend anybody edit natively in that. So even if you're in Premiere Pro, see how you can change the resolution size, right? It says play back in half quality or a quarter res or something like that. I still recommend when you're in the offline mode, when you're editing, keep it at like quarter res or something like that. If you're in DaVinci Resolve, again, stick with the same sauce, leave it in 1080p, do everything right before export, change it to 4K or 8K, whatever you want. It, it can handle it. I want to know when they're bringing out M1 16-inch MacBook Pros, Mac Pros, stuff like that. I don't know. I want to know the same thing. So, you know, it is uh, it is what it is. You can't, what I would say is that you cannot play this game because technology will be improving. That's just the name of the game. Never have we ever in this day and age experienced where, 2020, we hit 2022 and they go, oh, remember like the best iPhone, the highest performing iPhone was in 2006. Like, man, it was so fast. It still holds up, blah, blah, blah. That will just not happen. That doesn't happen, especially with technology. It never happened and it will never happen. Like, It just, it can't. So things are going to improve. New stuff is going to come out. If you start playing the waiting game, you're never going to, you know, like make the decision and have an edge over your competition. You're always going to be behind. So don't do that to yourself. Keep moving forward. Just make decisions and move on. All right, so hey, Wakas, can you please share your experience between Intel Base and M1, how you feel about it? Like I said, I genuinely think that in terms of like day-to-day tasks and how it feels, it feels way more snappier, uh, way snappier than even my Mac Pro. In terms of like, again, mundane day-to-day tasks, obviously Mac Pro kicks its ass when it comes to playing back 8K footage with 27 or 30 nodes and all the OFX on and everything. Like Mac Pro handles it like it's not even a big deal, whereas this thing will literally poop. So that is a big difference. But other than that, 
Uh, it feels super snappy. And I feel like when you uh, find something in it, its category, it will probably be the Intel chip easily. So again, somebody asked like, should I buy now or wait for their newer, more powerful processors? Same answer, man. Like if you start playing the waiting game, you're gonna be waiting your entire life because they're always gonna come out with a faster processor. Okay, how do you feel about like when using it for editing purposes? I think it is ready. I think it's more than ready. It is blazing fast, especially when it comes to editing because you guys know grading is much more taxing on your system than editing and even grading it with multiple nodes and trying out all those things, it can handle it, especially if the timeline is in 1080p in Resolve. But editing, oh my God, it just, for editing, I don't feel the difference between my Mac Pro and this guy. The only difference is the real estate, the screen size. Other than that, feels exactly the same. Is the screen good enough for color grading? Is the screen good enough for color grading? I think it is, because one of the main things you gotta understand is that uh, majority of the people out there, especially in the creative field, they either have a MacBook Pro or they have an iMac or they have like an iPad or an iPhone. So your stuff is gonna be reviewed and I'm saying this based on experience. Like 100% of my clients, I mean, I've just gone that far. 100% of my clients are either on Mac or on iOS devices. So when I'm working on these devices and making sure colors are looking proper and then I send it out, I barely ever hear any um, issues. So this is no different. Make sure to turn off True Tone and you're good to go. All right, so what happens if the processor is overheating, don't have any ventilation? So uh, MacBook Pro, you won't have that issue. It has fans, so you should be totally fine with MacBook Air, this could be a problem. Okay, so this is a good question. Somebody says, should it be my first ever setup? That is a very important question and the answer is going to be, go through a list of apps that you wanna use and once again, go to the website isappleSiliconReady.com and type in the exact apps that you're gonna be using and make sure that they're on the list and if they are, with your eyes closed. Just jump on it, get it, you're not gonna be disappointed. Can it play back 4K 60 frames with noise reduction grain and blah, blah, blah. 60 frames, it was having the hardest time. I had, what did I have? I had a, I had a 4K, I even had a 4K ProRes, I think it was a ProRes. I had a 4K ProRes 444 in 60 frames and it was not liking it. It was not liking it at all. The maximum it gave me was 25 frames and it was choking pretty hardcore. And then when I dropped it down to uh, 1080p, I think I got to 48 or 50 frames, but I think it was still like just doing weird stuff. I gotta, don't, don't quote me on it. I gotta experiment more, more with it, but I do have a 60p timeline and uh, I tried it out and I think that it was just struggling. Even on 1080p, it was just kind of like, like I said, throttling at like 50 frames. So I gotta mess with it more. That might be like, a, don't don't forget, DaVinci Resolve 17 is still in beta, so that might be that glitch. I have to bring that footage into Premiere Pro and give it a try uh, and see what that does. All right, let me see, how does it handle? H.264 with scrubbing in the timeline, absolutely no problem. H.265 chokes a little bit, especially with the Fuji X-T3 footage, because it's just so compressed and such a weird uh, Kodak but uh, H.264, absolutely no problems. So which one do you recommend, Mac Mini or MacBook Pro? So that's gonna depend on what it is that you're gonna be using it for. I haven't really looked into the Mac Minis, but I'm assuming that they have more connectors, which means you can plug in more monitors 
do your own research on that. But if you wanted more like a full on system and not like a, you know, all in one sort of thing, like where laptop, you know, you can take it with you, all these things. Mac mini might be a better option and might be a cheaper option. Again, I just, I, I'm ignorant uh, on the Mac mini. I haven't done any research on that. Does it really live up to the hype? I mean, uh, like I said, man, for me, above and beyond. Like, I'm just so freaking blown away by it. I bought it for Safari, like literally just, you know, Google Drive and writing Google Docs. Like, I bought it for that. And then what it turned out to be is just mind-boggling. Like, literally, uh, I'm blown away. So it does, and then some. Okay, Cinema DNG, I did bring in that f uh, footage, but I haven't tried it. So I have it ready to go, some footage from DJI Inspire 2. And uh, I'm going to throw that on, and I'm going to play it back and mess with it and see what it does. I'm going to be putting out a video. I, I have it written down right here. So I'm going to be putting out a video at least uh, either this week or next week, where it's going to be like, you know, trying out all kinds of different footage and some more hacks for you to get the best performance out of it. So stay tuned. Uh, for that. Is it better than the i5 MacBook Air? Absolutely it is, like hands down. How does the screen compare to a color calibrated monitor? Already talked about that. So the most important thing is that who is seeing it on the other end. And if they have, they're in the same ecosystem and they're looking at it, you know, what you're grading on, then you're in good shape. And uh, that's where Apple takes home the cake uh, most of the time because it just, you know, that's what people are using in the industry, majority of them. I'm not going to just throw a blanket statement and say all of them, but majority of the people. Uh, this came from my brother, from another mother, Nick, and he's saying, if I'm using Photoshop and Resolve, would you consider a Mac Mini with M1 versus saving up and getting the big boy? Yes, 1 billion percent, because brother, I'm telling you, Photoshop on this thing, it is so snappy. It is as snappy as my Mac Pro, once again, I'm not like you. I'm not a freaking Picasso of Photoshop. I don't have 100,000 layers. Nick is, a, he's a professional photo retoucher. So, I mean, this guy works with Burberry and like all the big players that you can think of. And uh, the kind of stuff that you do, Nick, I wouldn't know if it can handle it. But dude, the stuff that I do in Photoshop, it was exactly the same experience that I get on my Mac Pro. So, that's one. And Resolve... Uh, especially because Resolve is, you know, uh, putting out like M1 versions of like their software. Dude, mind-blowing. Um, already testing all kinds of footage on it. It is just blazing fast. I would say go get it. N guys, don't forget, with Apple products, what happens is that you buy it today, you sell it tomorrow. Worst is going to happen. The worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to lose two or 300 bucks. Now, imagine if you rent a laptop for four months and make thousands of dollars on it, is it worth paying 400 in the rental cost? Or is it better to own it and use it for that long and then consider that loss, the two, $300 that you lost when you sold it as like a rental cost? You just, this is how I think about things. The reason why I buy all kinds of gear and really expensive gear is that I'm always coming up with that idea is that, okay, I buy a $30,000 panel today. I use it for six years. They come out with a brand new panel. In six years, I make a million bucks on it, you know, just doing the jobs. They come out with a new panel. I've already made so much money that I can toss it. Like I can literally just throw it in a freaking dumpster and not worry about it. But let's just say I sell it. 
I make 18 grand or 22 grand on it, was it worth renting it for 8,000 in six years that made me a million bucks? I mean, it's a simple math and it's a, these are real numbers. I'm not making up these numbers, but that's, uh, that's how, how I look at, you know, when you make an investment in a technology, you have to have faith in yourself. You have to have a foresight. You have to have a game plan. And then when everything goes check, 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 then go attack it. Like just make a decision, go. This was definitely a lot of fun. Hopefully it was helpful. Um, like I said, I'm going to be doing a deep dive and another video just like, you know, a, a MacBook Pro one week later sort of thing and like what's my experience with it and uh, give you guys more tips and tricks. Love you guys. Really appreciate hanging out and taking your guys' questions and answering them. I'm having a good time with this device. And, uh, you know, I, I try to look past the, you know, the the noise, you know, like you go on the web and everybody is just trying to make a get a get a quick view right i mean it's just so much clickbait stuff about like these new technologies and for me i'm always i'm never the one who's gonna who's gonna be the first putting out a video about like oh my god my mind is blown because of this and that like i like to take my time i like to do my own research and uh just do it my own way whether it's the right way wrong way i want to put technology to work in a way how I operate and I work, because ultimately that's what matters. It, it, I don't care how somebody else, some you know, five million subscribers YouTuber uses it, because that's not how I use it. So when I'm gonna make a video, I'm gonna talk about how it's being used in a professional environment, in a real world scenario, and then just trying to give you that. So um, super excited, this was fun, and uh, let's uh, come up with something cool for next week. Until then, love you guys. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with friends, subscribe to this channel, and I will see you in the next episode.